Football is a game of aesthetics. It's all about what does it look like? Football is a game of tradition. The man who wins the penalty can't take it. <laughs> Football is a game of passion. Oh, bollocks, Villa have scored. And that is why we love it. Fuck me, why is this stupid game back? I think that was a real low point for me in my life. It's time to turn the volume down. Goals scored by new signings are the only ones that count. Penalties don't count, and Mamoru Saku having an absolute howler. That doesn't count either. The worst 90 minutes of football in Premier League history. He's oh, a fraud. Sedan's a fraud. Everyone's favorite statistical fraud. Brendan Rodgers. All about the aesthetics, that's what Absolutely. I like to see. That is just a bit of stat padding. Individual sport masquerading as a team game. Look at his Instagram, he's the ultimate beta male. BBC Sport decided to advertise their TikTok account. Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> it just doesn't get any better than that. Hello and welcome to Under the Floodlights this week on the show. The festive period comes to an end and it's crazy how much has changed since our last pod. Liverpool and Chelsea now stink. Arsenal and Spurs now don't stink. West Brom brought Big Sam back into the league but seem to have gotten worse. Fulham weaponised Covid in an attempt to ensure their Premier League survival and Harvey Barnes is in the form of his life. We give our mid-season review and answer questions like will anyone win the league? Will Sheffield United ever win another game again? And will the UK's new Brexit deal still allow Liverpool to buy Mbappe in 2022? All of this as the country prepares to lock down once again. My name's Darren Scott and I'm joined with Billy Hutchison, Chris Ringham. Boys, 2021's going well. Positive vibes only. Null and void up. <laughs> <laughs> I what can't deal with this anymore. What a disaster. <laughs> Positive yeah. vibes over there. No, Chris, cancel this league. I, I mean, I like the attitude, Chris, but football's terrible. We're all going to be locked up. <laughs> yuck. Yeah, I don't need to watch Chelsea anymore whilst locked up. Yuck, yuck, yuck. We probably should specify, um, just for clarity for those who are listening, we are not together. I am in my house, oh, Bailey. Yes, we're not breaking. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I'm in my house, Bailey. Can you confirm that you're in your house? I am indeed. Christopher, you can confirm you're, you uh, are yes, in your we're, own we're house? We're not together. We're not together. We can't touch each other, can't infect each other. Everything's above board. We're all good. So obviously, um, a lot has happened since we, we took a week off there over the, the holidays and, and there was quite a lot of football that was played uh, during that. So I suppose it's supposed to go and into some of the games in depth. I guess we're kind of going to look, take sort of a mid-season review of teams, sort of take stock of who's who and where everyone is and, and sort of uh, look at it from sort of a halfway point. You guys cool with that? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Um, where do you want to start? Liverpool? The Red Do you know what really, do you know what irritates me more about Liverpool than anything else? Is the way that Klopp smiles on the touchline <laughs> because... A worse team than Liverpool has beaten them. As if they are, oh, we are superior. And it is funny that someone is actually beating us. Well, I mean, he, does it, he does it every single time. You just concede a goal against I, I like, don't concede any goals, or Chris. I don't concede any goals. It's 2021. <laughs> I don't concede anything. You, you know, you, you've seen this, though. He yeah, I this. have. Yeah, I, have. Yeah. I mean, it's at the so same time, and I take that point, I think it's a valid point. At the same point, when you have Ralph Hassenhurdle Crying his eyes out at a one nil <laughs> win in the, in the Half middle a job of, in the middle of January and Martin Tyler getting on in commentary like it's a cup final. <laughs> like let's just, you know, hit the brakes on this one team. <laughs> no, that's not <laughs> like Jurgen didn't know what to do. Like no, that's the type of thing I would have Jurgen to have done years ago. Yeah. And he, he, he just kinda of didn't know what to do. He just patted him on the head, going, You're right there, mate. Mm, it was a 
odd thing to say. It really was. I suppose what we talk about when, when I say the Liverpool stink is Liverpool since our last pod have kind of gone on a bit of a weird run. They beat Crystal Palace 7-0 <laughs> uh, which was great um, and, we talked, about, and we talked about that. It does feel like a long time ago. Then drew 1-1 at home to West Brom who had brought big salaries. <laughs> Uh, and then more worryingly, they drew 0-0 against Newcastle and then lost 1-0 to Southampton. Um, so two games in a row that, that they haven't scored, um, which is obviously a problem. And, and their away form is terrible. Well, but sure they're decimated by injuries. Well, they are decimated by injuries. That's true. They, they started two midfielders at centre-back. And it showed. <laughs> but honestly, as football fans, we all got the Christmas present that we deserve this year of Big Sam coming back oh, during Darren's yes. Christmas. Yes. Mm. I mean, that was a of thing course. of beauty. And the best part about this has been ever since West Brom have been terrible. Yeah, I think they've mm. conceded like nine in the two games since that. <laughs> Big, Big Sam um, sold his soul from point at Anfield. <laughs> like, no one. Darren's told me on many occasions you don't win money betting against Liverpool at Anfield but Big Sam is the only person to get anything from that stadium I mean you could see it coming the whole time Oh, wow. like they <laughs> yeah. didn't look like scoring at all but at the same time you're like yeah this is finishing 1-1 yeah. the most yuck disgusting performance uh, that I've seen probably this season in the Premier League absolutely vile 90 minutes from Big Sam uh, I mean, left Anfield with a 1-1 draw you say that West Brom actually had more shots on par I, they, they, they I, in the game did. yeah they did no it was yuck oh, come on <laughs> <laughs> I'm just firing that out yeah I mean it, at the same time Liverpool stink at the moment and that's part of the problem as well um but I mean, we talked about it with a couple of other teams um, in some previous episodes. Chelsea were going really well and then fell off. Spurs were going really well and fell off. Uh, and and we kind of commented on the fact that that Liverpool haven't actually had that fall off, and and, and now they have. Um, and I suppose it throws it all. I mean, we've said it, it's wide open, and we'll go on to talk about some of the other teams. But like, who knows what on earth's going to happen? I, I, I'm really struggling to think of a season in Premier League history where it's been that open by Christmas. Yeah. I'm really struggling. It's sort of that gap between the top, normal top teams and those mid-table ones just isn't as big as it normally is. No. The likes of Everton, Wolves and stuff are just in the mix. No one's good. Well, no it's one's down or top good. four. Everyone's pretty good, but no one's outstanding. No I'd one's say everyone's doing. terrible. <laughs> but it's it, you've got to understand as well, at the same time, it's kind of... The last three or four Premier League seasons have been... You know the league has City been won, but the league has been won with ninety seven, ninety eight points over a hundred points. In, in the case of City, there was a year that Liverpool came second with I think like ninety six, ninety seven points. So that has been the standard, and to do that, that means those top teams are basically winning every single game in a season, with the exception of four or five games, which are maybe going to be three yeah. draws and a loss. So the problem is that's where the standard is. Now you'll win this season with eighty five points. So. <laughs> On paper, that just, you know, as somebody who's watched Liverpool get 90 plus points the last number of years, I look at 85 and think, that's shit. Like, just <laughs> just be good. Would you just win some games? It, it, it could very feasibly happen that Leicester get more points this season than they won the league with. Could they well do that the other year as well. Yeah. Le- Leicester have been beaten. Maybe last year oh, right. or the year before. Leicester have been beaten five times this season and are still a point off the league, uh, the, the league leaders. <laughs> They've lost five games. They've only played 17. So they've lost a third of their games, essentially, and are still yeah. one point off the top. It's Brandon. It's madness. It That's really tough. is. It's, it's Harvey. 
well and the, yeah because one of the beautiful things that happens in this game now and people are latching on to it chris they are is that once you chirp up a player he scores in the next game mm-hmm. listen listen we had shakiri tonight the alpine messi did night no, well, but that, that's different because that was just in a in our group message. Twenty well, minutes, yeah, twenty with twenty minutes to go. It's completely different. It's well, when you come on here, you set your stall out. You say player A rubbish, <laughs> and yeah. then player A proves you wrong. We have started calling it the Ringland bump. Yeah, and people are last known to people are putting in requests. Yeah, for you to <laughs> players. Like it's if you could, like in the Chelsea segment, just chirp up Timo Werner a bit. I'd be delighted. <laughs> the wow. Ringland bump, the bump in form that these players are seeing. It's catching on. It's great. Um, <laughs> Chelsea, I suppose, are another team that have, I mean, probably the only team in the league that have had a worse last few weeks than, than Liverpool have. It's been tough. Is, it, is Frank in trouble? Uh, no. And Ooh. my thinking behind that is who's who would do a better job? I think there's all, because the media love this threat that Abramovich puts out that yeah he's he's unhappy. Abramovich hasn't has never spoken in the media ever, so I don't know where they're getting. Is he not from. still in like like not allowed to enter the UK or something? Yeah, and he's no longer Russian. He's Israeli, but that's not <laughs> <football>. <laughs> so for no, context, obviously. From... On how Chelsea have been doing, they, they lost three one to uh, Manchester City. They they also drew one one with Aston Villa, lost three one to Arsenal, which we'll talk about later. Uh, after beating West Ham three nil, and and then also had losses to um to Everton and Wolves. Um, so just a, a tough run through that festive period. Um, but I think, I think I've worked it out. Same thing happened last season. Chelsea are not a cold weather team. Like the same thing happened last season. So October, November last year and October, November this year, if you look at the results, there were sort of 14, 15, 16 games unbeaten in both seasons. It's December, dark nights, freezing cold temperatures. The team falls apart. I don't know what it is. That's all I can pin it to is cold weather. Well, I think the worrying point um, is... And we, you know, we talk about it a lot in the show. It's all about how it looks. It's the aesthetics, the looks and feels, that sort of stuff. Um, I think the way Chelsea have lost some games hasn't looked Ooh. good. You know, we go back mm. uh, a couple of weeks to losing three one to Arsenal. I mean, that was dreadful. Uh, Chelsea performance, like mm. the, you know, there's ways to lose, and I think even playing badly's okay from time to time. But like that game is just people looking like they're not trying. Um, yeah, and I get, but that was. A tricky one in that, if you look back on it, you have a dodgy penalty for Arsenal, which Gary Neville on commentary said he didn't think it was one, yet the other day, whenever Pogba went down for Man United, or Stonewaller, <laughs> <laughs> you have a Shaka free kick, which I'll just let the rest of the league know, you're welcome. That, that guy's now in the team for the rest of the season. Chelsea's a football club are aiding this league. Did you see? Um, did you see Chilwell's face? He was standing in the yeah. in the wall for the the Shaka goal, and um, it obviously goes over the wall and into the corner of the net. And uh, Chilwell, actually, people need to go and look at this again. Chilwell sort of shoots Thiago Silva a look, and his facial expression just kind of says, "Oh, we're fucked." <laughs> like we are in real trouble here. <laughs> was this the game where we had the 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 Shaka Saka Laka? Don't nonsense? start on this, Chris. <laughs> is, that, is that a game? Because yeah, it was genuinely, like if I ever get a job at like some intelligence service, <laughs> my version of waterboarding is listening to Gary Neville and Martin Tyler on commentary together. <laughs> because honestly. 
Tyler's sitting there just trying to come up with puns and rhymes and Neville's just going, oh, oh, he's in trouble here. Oh, He, he caught himself last week after being on the Soccer AM Boxing Day thing. Uh, yeah, he was, they called him out on it. Aye, and he was like, oh, we've oh, just done it again. Oh. Yeah, and he didn't fix it because he did exactly the same thing yesterday in the Chelsea City game. <laughs> Honestly, the two of them go through me. I've had to experience that twice in, in like the space of seven days. Mm. Brutal. I'll give you any state secret you want. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, we'll go back to Arsenal there because then the third is that Saka goal, which was a cross. Was a cross. Oh, yeah. It yeah, was yeah. a cross. Yeah. But the brilliant moment post-game, whenever Tammy Abraham confronts him on this, and Saka looks at him going, no, 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 that, that was a shot. And Tammy Abraham just tells him to shut up, man. You're <laughs> lying to me. <laughs> Which I think's great, because you could just see Saka stood there going, I've rattled him so much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and there is something about going away and doing a knee slide celebration and things like, as yeah. somebody who at the amateur level has also scored from a cross that was intended to, me, <laughs> uh, to find somebody else, it's one of those, you just sort of put your hand up and apologise and walk back and say, listen, sorry, lads, that was terrible. I never should have gone in. Um, but going back to the point I was making about Chelsea and the way they were losing the game, the Saka goal I thought was a perfect example of that guy literally dandered into the Chelsea box yeah. and was put under zero pressure and was allowed to put that cross that went into the net uh, in. And that was the problem I thought with with um, with Chelsea. I thought it was interesting the Man City game and I think I said this to you guys off air. I just didn't understand what they were trying to do. It looked like from the team selection that he was going with pace up front and they were going to sit in and try and counter-attack City, which made sense to me. But then they didn't drop back and sort of defend in a compact shape and be it was it was like they were trying to play counter attack but also allowing loads of space in midfield. It didn't make any sense to me. Uh, and and Dave was going to get collapsed by the end trying to chase Sterling or whatever it was. I just um, too many nice guys in the team in that city game, oh, oh. and also uh, a Mateo Kovacic performance, which I think is a pandemic performance because I think if you, what does that mean? Because Man City, if you look at them recently. Have had five positive tests, had a game postponed, Benjamin Mendy in the press for breaking COVID protocols. So I think Mateo Kovacic, if you look at every touch he had in that game yesterday, he just didn't want a city player near him. As soon as they started pressing him, <laughs> panic sets in. I, I don't really know. Like, because the thing with Chelsea is they signed all these players, all these creative attacking players, and they can never play all of them at once. And you don't really know what the best combo is. And where's Kai Havertz, who costs 71 million? And oh, you know, Mason Mount de- plays every game regardless. And all this kind of stuff, you know, ach, is, there, is there leadership? Is, is, is the real question. <laughs> well, I, I, I would. Your captain I, doesn't speak the language. <laughs> I, I did believe that, yes. Uh, in the game, Chris, against City, I was like, who is actually speaking here? Because there wasn't lack of. He's demanding more. Exactly. I just want to like Mason Mount to shout at someone, but he's very he's nice not boy. Do that. So he is. <laughs> Bailey. So I think... chill. Well, they're all very nice lads. Mason Mount shouting at someone. So they are. But no, I agree. But I'll pick up your point there. Well, on Kai Havertz, we don't COVID shame on this podcast. The guy's been unwell. <laughs> what, he's had COVID. Yeah, yeah. He did he's, still, COVID. he's still suffering. Would it be fair to say that if Kai? And the transfer fee and all of the stuff that happened, instead of happening at Chelsea, he was playing for Manchester United. Would it be fair to say that he would be absolutely slated in the media right now? But I think he is being. Mm. Oh, you don't really hear that much. 
I think he. Well, I think the one good thing about all of the Chelsea team struggling is that you don't pick on one victim. Well, um, I suppose because Timo's. Yeah, yeah, like all whack, of them are yeah. in that boat. But you just when you know sort of the the scrutiny that a lot of the United players come under, the scrutiny that like I've given to people like Donny Van de Beek and stuff. If Kai Havertz <laughs> arrives, and and listen, people taking a year to settle into the league, especially at a young oh, age, is, com- is completely normal. It's fair enough. But again, yeah. it's this whole football thing. We jump to hyperboles, and um, if Kai Havertz was at Manchester United for seventy-two million and not able to get into the team and struggling for any sort of form. Would there be more fanfare created? Potentially, but I don't know where it comes from. It would just come from Gary Neville on every <laughs> Sunday. And then Roy with their clickbait. <laughs> well, Roy would be commenting on the fact that he's an international player. He's a senior international. It's a disgrace. <laughs> um, I think when we talk about Liverpool and Chelsea, and there are a couple of others, but they're the main two at the moment who have really dipped in, in the form is it a case of like are you concerned generally speaking I know we joke and we mess about that they stink but um, are we genuinely concerned about the two of them uh, is it a case of oh they're just going through a little period of low confidence maybe not quite wanting it enough because it still baffles me at the elite level how much like a team just wanting it um, <laughs> does tend to help get results which is a little bit odd but um, it's very like, are we worried about Liverpool Chelsea are we worried about Liverpool's title hunt like where do we see that happening and what do we see changing because of this recent form it's because like all, all that it takes is like wolves or arsenal or whoever to win like three games in a row and liverpool to continue to draw three or whatever at chelsea and, and it completely changes the league table yeah like it's just small it's runs tight. isn't it mm-hmm. it's yeah. just small runs of teams and i, I Liverpool, I don't think will win it. I think City, seen against Chelsea, I think City are the team now to beat. Uh, it's they, one game, they, really. It's one game. They looked, they looked on it. Can I, can I remind was... you they lost 5 0 to Leicester earlier in the season at home? But big results, I think, can happen. I don't think that, like, that is the same in terms of the effect that has on your league standing, it's the same as losing 1 0. Yeah. Um. Well,. Maybe not this season with the goal difference and how tight it is, but yes, in general. Um, well, I mean, Liverpool lost 7-2 to Aston Villa, still have the best goal difference in the league. That's because yeah. you beat Crystal Palace 7-0. But, yeah. No, but that's the point I'm making. City well, are completely capable of going out and beating somebody 6-7-0 at any point. No, like, they haven't had, um, you know, some of the key players and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, and that's part of the reason why their form has been pretty average but it was remarkable how good they were against Chelsea but it is very strange because I think up to that point that was definitely Pep's worst season so far before that game well I mean they're still two in hand on Liverpool they're in a they're in a great position now I think particularly John Stones has been a big improvement like they'll Um, probably go top yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) they'll win Liverpool won't because what we've seen tonight just well, like, having, having that makeshift back four is not yeah happen. and I think that's I think you know we joke about Liverpool being decimated and things we talked about it at the time yeah they'll get by game to game okay but they can't play a whole season without no. your two main centre-backs and I think it's not just a case of the centre-back coming in being good at defending you have to look at more than that because Nathaniel Phillips and Reese Williams the reason they were dropped for the Liverpool-Southampton game is because they've shown in the last couple of weeks how slow they are and with as high as Liverpool play on the counter-attack you cannot have a slow centre-back 
And that's the problem. Um, not in this league. Not in, not in this league. Not in our not league. Not in this league. Be It'll be interesting to see what, what both teams do in January with you know if they have any cash to spend and, and I'm sure clubs said they weren't going to sign a centre back because their 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 young ones have been so brilliant. You I'm say sure. that, but then why doesn't he play them tonight? Well, indeed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I mountain. Think, Where's the mountain? He's. I mean, he's good at headers, but my god, is he slow? <laughs> <laughs> but sure, we talk we talk about transfer windows there, Chris. That's if you can sign anyone because. A couple Brexit. of days in the 2021, Big Sam is on the Brexit wagon, <laughs> and he can't sign anyone. So <laughs> we'll see yes. what happens there. Arsenal have been on on a bit of a resurgence. I think won their last three, uh, dropped most of their players to do it, um, which I thought was was pretty interesting. Uh, right back on the up now, up into eleventh, which for a team that were <laughs> right down the bottom <laughs> the last time we did a podcast right is is. I mean, it's it's staggering. They beat West Brom four 0 They beat Brighton one 0 and they beat Chelsea three um, one. Like I, I think some. T- I think well, pundit because there's too much football on TV. This is why the pundits do it. But the problem with punditry is that things are based on a couple of results at a time. Yeah, it's based on your last game. Mm-hmm. As good yeah. as your last result. Like Arsenal may well push for Europa League now. But they also very easily could not. And it's just like, well, all right, Emil Smith Rowe, brilliant. I don't know. Like, where's so where's Aubameyang? Where's yeah. William? I <laughs> love that. It's a simple game. I so, love you know. that sort of like the the you were talking about um, uh, Smith Rowe. Good, um, good player. Good little player. I love it. It's like they were in such a disastrous place a few weeks ago, yeah. and like. They've made that one change, which I think they had to make because of players yeah. being out, because of isolating and different things. Um, but he's this now, this like little beacon of hope that they've had, and we've seen <laughs> this before with Arsenal all the time. It's that player who comes in, and it's like, oh, finally we've sussed it. This I is think the Nasri, guy. Uh, like, yeah, we're good to go. Yeah. Um, I, th- I will say, I think Kieran Tierney is the best left back they've had since Ashley Cole. Well, well, I've said it on this podcast. He's the only Arsenal player I would have at Chelsea. Mm. He, he, as I've said, he would just come in the clean Chili's boots, but I would still like him at the club. He could also translate for Billy Gilmore. He's fantastic, <laughs> so he is. It's a simple game. They've taken Willian out of the starting 11, and they're winning games. This is easy. Football 101. I mean, they were playing Brighton, to be fair. Yeah. I know, but I've been preaching this for months, that this guy isn't good enough. Y- you have. You have. Um, okay, I, I get the impression that Arshan uh, Wenger Arteta is <laughs> well, Arteta. Wenger, Wenger wants to come back well I did say this <laughs> I get the impression he'll be there L- listen <laughs> Arteta retired early to do his coaching badges and was Pep's understudy I don't get the impression that he's a horrific coach or he probably wouldn't have got that chance to be at Arsenal like they're so hard to pick. There is stuff behind the scenes that we don't see, and there was even chat. He was even asked this week about it. Was oh, you know, bringing it back into the fold. Like, can you imagine if he did that? It would be the ultimate backtrack. Well, yeah, he, you know, he'd he lose all. He'd lose he his card for that. Like, listen, when the Europa League comes back, the the league will be set because United will be struggling then, and Arsenal will be struggling then. Leicester will probably be struggling then, and we'll see what. Oh, happens. Can't wait for that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a good point. Things are all going to change again with that. Um, Manchester United, though, have been going really well. Listen, we, we can't... 
there is st- there's still a part of me that I can hear the pain, Chris. <laughs> no, like like they have improved their defending, and that's a big reason why they can win matches now because they always. I think they're joint or first in goal scored with Liverpool and Leeds. So they always score. And obviously Bruno Fernandes wins his perennial penalty every game. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, they could keep going like this. But I still feel like in games, such as um, the game against West Ham that was in December, like they just they get these results from nowhere yeah. half the time. And... Even Gary Neville was saying, you know, I, I'm just so co- confused by their league position and got concerned how they've been playing. And like fair play, they have been really good. People like Pogba have been really good. Fred still plays every single week. Don't understand. I, I think I know a little bit about football. Don't understand. He looked um, unreal against Villa. I agree Fred? with you. Yeah, he was unbelievable. No, I agree with you. I don't rate him. But in that day, I was like, this guy looks like the £50 million player that uh, United and City were bidding for. This is mad. Anyway, um, anyway. Uh, listen, I think we've, we've talked about the uh, the teams at the top. I think it's only appropriate to, to oh, really yes. talk about you know the teams that are down at the bottom. Who's down? Who's getting relegated? Um, uh, we were quite vocal, I think, in previous episodes about who we thought was down. Has anything changed for you guys um, over this festive period? Yes. Um, so... I've I've got the four I've got the four worst teams in Premier League history. Okay. Okay. <laughs> to start with, you were a a very passionate defender of Chris Wilder. Still, still am. Still I'll explain. Are. Okay. Still am. Aston Villa, twenty sixteen, seventeen points. Huddersfield, twenty nineteen. In my opinion, the worst team in Premier League history, sixteen points. Sunderland in two thousand six, fifteen points, and Derby in two thousand eight with. 11 points. Mm, that's gross. No, no. It's not looking hot for Sheffield United. Right? It's, it's not looking hot. For context, Sheffield United have played 17 and have two points. They're now officially the worst team in Premier League history after 17 games. Okay? Um, I still think Huddersfield were worse because Huddersfield, from I think it was something like November onwards, didn't win a game until September of when they were in the championship. Right, so that, that was it was almost a full calendar year. Yeah. Um, it, it, look, Sheffield United need a lot. They need a lot to stay up. So the, the, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> they need more than that, Chris. <laughs> listen, the, the, the players are letting them down. And they've even said that. I think George Baldock came out and said that, you know, he's brought us from League One. It, the manager can't do anymore, so to speak. But the, let's, get, let's get straight to it. The best part of the Christmas period has been people finally accepting that Brighton and Hove Albion are dying. Well, they're currently 17th, so they're currently not done. Well, it's interesting, though, because they're they are 17th. Fulham are 18th uh, with two games in hand on them. Fulham have drawn their last four games and have really weaponized this COVID thing. Um, <laughs> so they cancelled the game with Tottenham Hotspur. And yep. I think by all accounts, and from what Jose Mourinho said, they cancelled this game about two hours before kickoff. Um, <laughs> On elite Instagram from Jose. Yeah, <laughs> but what I thought was so interesting about this is the game was scheduled for a Wednesday. It was cancelled at like three o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday. The day before, Scott Parker did a press conference when they asked him about player availability. He was kind of saying, yeah, other than the blokes who have been injured all season and, and we know about those, other than those... Full squad. Couldn't be happier. And then all of a sudden, 
Um, I think there was rumours that a couple of boys in the film team had tested positive, which isn't enough to cancel a game. But then they were claiming that even though other people have maybe tested negative, they are showing symptoms and therefore because of the rules there's so we much interpretation there game. so we didn't have our manager the whole yeah well the whole thing just screams a little bit of i think like one player key player maybe like a zambo and guisa or something yes. i yeah. think he's tested like positive right yeah and yeah. then scott parker's went i'm not going to spurs without my main guy <laughs> so he's just started telling the boys and this is i completely get I totally a wild allegation but i i think it's a case of oh boys if we all start feigning symptoms we can't play this game they've now got two weeks to train coming off four draws in the bounce and two games in hand on brighton to get out of the relegation zone this for Listen. me is weaponizing the pandemic to try and save your skin in the premier league and i am all about it I, Parker Totally, totally back you there. I, I mean, let's face it. Um, with the excellent news that Burnley are getting a sugar daddy American owner, uh, we can expect all the best up and coming talent from Rotherham, Blackpool, and Preston to no. be hitting turf moor. And it's and there's no way they're going down. Championships getting rated for six foot five strikers. I, I mean, I group. cannot wait to see what Sean Dyche spends a large <laughs> sum of cash on, like the proper. Old school Brexit type footballers that he'd bring into this club. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got your your Sheffield Wednesday starting centre back. You've got your uh, your Barnsley combative centre midfielder. You know exactly the Burnley type. Like this owner will probably come in and say, you know, Sean, do you, do you want you know a fancy you know winger maybe from the Netherlands or something? Sort of add a bit of attacking flair. No, I don't. I want Lewis Dunk. I want Lewis Dunk, Shane Duffy. I want these type of players. He would one hundred percent bring off. Scott Arfield back from Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> God, I can't wait to see Steve what he does. Um, the, the, the thing about West Brom and Big Sam is that, like, I I trust Big Sam, but my days. This, I mean, to be fair, he kept Sunderland up. No, he kept Sunderland up, right? But they're, they have, they have issues. Now, there's chat already that James Tompkins is coming in for the third time he signed <laughs> in his career um, to, to shore it up at the back. But, I mean, I mean they have issues all over the show. Um, Westbrook. I, 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 I can't see how they stay up. But if someone is going to keep them up, it'll be big Sam. They've, they've sold their soul for two results in December. The one-all against City away and one-all against Liverpool away. Unbelievable. It, it, it's brutal results. on Slavin. It, because because I, I don't think people actually realise this. They barely signed anyone in the summer. All, almost all of their signings were lone players that they had in the championship. Yeah, like this, and this that, that has not been recognised as well. Like, yeah, like I, no I, I think... Yeah, no, Slavin got a rough deal there, I think. So when we talk about Big Sam and his ability to keep teams up, he's talked about the Allardyce survival blueprint. I love these. <laughs> Basically, this is like his seven-point plan of how to keep teams up. Uh, the first Brandon point, the first point Mike on that Batsup. is yeah. So the first point of his blueprint is clean sheets. The guy's conceded nine in his last two. <laughs> uh, the second point is don't lose possession in your own half. The third point is play the first pass forward. Now, based on what I watched when West Brom came to Anfield, that tended to just be them hoofing it past the halfway line with no striker to chase after it. Win knockdowns and transitions. I mean, that's typically what we think, but. They might have to bring a couple of players in if they're going to do that. Because, like, is Connor Gallagher going to D 
dig in and, and win the knockdowns and things. He's too um, pretty, bring him back. Set pieces are, are something that he... Um, a big a J. Yeah. yeah, I mean, scored against Liverpool, so yeah, completely fair. Foul on the centre-back, but that's fine. Foul um, for it, yeah. Uh, exploit the opposition's weaknesses. I mean, I don't really know what that means. I feel like that's that's just a that's not a survival blueprint. That's like yeah, that's just that's just football, really, isn't it? It's like turn up and be better than them. Yeah, it's like we, um, we need to score more than them to get three points. Yeah. <laughs> and and the last one is quality in the final third, which I think loosely translates to finish the one chance we'll get and we'll leave with a draw. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know if you heard his last interview after the. Uh, 4-0 whoever they were playing uh, against Arsenal yes he said right that's kind of it We like he literally said we've got to change our tactics now <laughs> so so you know what that means mm. that means bringing in James Tompkins bringing in another Brexit centre back and shore it up it's I mean going to be minging. he must be pulling his hair out like when you look at the like the Sawyer's own goal I mean, like I mean the... that was that was so so bad so bad. Yeah. Like, no. Because <laughs> so there's nothing, you, there's nothing you can gets. do against that. There's nothing you can do against that. And, and even playing Liverpool, Liverpool went 1-0 up and for the first the first half an hour or at least the first half, Liverpool looked like they could have scored five or six against them and then the second half were terrible. Tell me, you sold the soul. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, to, to wrap this up, Yeah. Who, who are your three that are dying? Crystal. Brighton, Sheffield United, Newcastle. Oof. Newcastle. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, I wasn't uh, expecting the turn. No, I, I had to like look up the table. I was like, where are they? Um <laughs> Beeling. Sheffield, West Brom. Uh Fulham. <laughs> See, I've got a quandary now. I actually want Fulham to stay up, but Everything about I think Fulham have a better chance of staying up than Brighton. No well, that, bias whatsoever. I genuinely think they do. And that's the problem that I'm in trying to pick my three because everything about like my personality like is forcing me to like really double down on the point that I've made all year that Fulham are down, but listen it takes a brave man no and listen it takes a brave man and also there's part of me in a practice podcast I said that Burnley were down and I just love that to be true to bring that clip up again Um, because I got ridiculed for saying that and they're right in the mix just Um, right right I'm good okay listen it takes a brave man to change your mind I'm going Sheffield United West Brom and Brighton I think Fulham are up you heard it here first 2021 positive vibes only Fulham are up wow I can't believe he's backtracked wow can't believe it on this podcast, we reserve the right to change our minds at any given moment. Fulham of four draws in the bounce have weaponized COVID. <laughs> I think draws. it's four, it's 4D chess stuff. I like that. Fulham are up. Uh, w- one, thing, one thing I will give Brighton credit for, though, is Adam Webster is a phenomenal ball-playing centre-back. Really, really good. Well, have you noticed that? Um, compliment the Brighton. Yeah, Brighton players are good ball players, Chris. We all know that. Yeah, just, just can't really. Can't get results. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Chris, you wanted to talk about um, sort of the the halfway point sort of team of the year. Is this team of the year based on genuine ability or an under the floodlights team of the year? Um, okay, no, it, no, it is genuine. I I, I don't <laughs> think you'll quabble too much with it. Okay, but there's probably a little bit of flair in here or there. You know? and have you got a full team, or are you just sort of talking players at this no, stage? I've got, got a full team. Got, got a full. Team. Got a full four three three team. Mm. It's right. Nice formation. Genuine four three three, or like the Garth Crooks four three three, where there's like a centre back and left wing. No, <laughs> no, it's it's genuine. Okay. Um, uh, Martinez and Neves, Villa. 
Fair. Uh, Martinez. Cool. Uh, back four of Vladimir Kufel at right back. Could have been Matty Cash very easily. Seems like a biased pick, that one. Yeah, yeah. Vladimir Kufel <laughs> at West Ham. Vladimir Kufel at West Ham. Blind loyalty. He has changed the way that we play um, for the better. Uh, and we've won matches as a result, which we weren't doing last season. Um, Yannick Vestergaard, first centre-back. He's not injured. Yannick Vestergaard, <laughs> first centre-back. Uh, he's been phenomenal up to uh, the point where he was fatigued. Scored, <laughs> up to the point where he stopped playing because of an injury. Kept clear. There hasn't been many good centre-backs, right? There hasn't been many good centre-backs. Um, I actually said, this is, I wrote this before the last two games, I said Thiago Silva. Now, that was a mm. toss-up between him and Kurt Zuma, but I said Thiago Silva because that's partly to do with the keeper, but I thought that he had made the biggest impact in the defence of it. It was Eric Dyer was a toss-up as well. Well, I was going to say Eric, Eric Dyer. Dyer the, probably the Eric The leadership. Um, while Cancelo, left-back for City. That's a cert. Yeah, but I don't like that he's, you're, he's right-footed and you're playing yeah. left-back. Yeah, he's, yeah I agree. balance problem. Uh, middle three, can't really argue with it. Bruno Fernandes, Jack Grealish, James Ward-Prowse. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, that's tough to, yeah, tough to argue with. Well, I, would, um, I would personally have Mason Mount in there, but... <laughs> oh, Bailey. Would you? <laughs> 100%. I will have Declan Rice in there. Um, uh, front three, uh, I mean, it's a bit of a toss-up, isn't it, bar one? Um, I mean, Harry Kane's up front. Harry Kane's up front. I mean, you could have Son, you could have Mane. I went for Salah and Jack Harrison. Jack, Jack Harrison. Jack Harrison. Oh my God. Jack Harrison. <laughs> Mate, let's face it. Jack Harrison's already. He's got two nominations for under the floodlights goal of the season already. Um, no, I, I'm refusing to have anybody from Leeds win any awards at our end of year awards. Um, yeah, he he has been outstanding for Leeds. So your front three was Harry Kane, <laughs> Salah, Salah. Jack I kind of get the Salah thing from a goals point of view. Yeah. Is form the last number of weeks have been perfect at Liverpool. You could have depth, Son. So you could have that. Mane. You could have, you know. Yeah, you have Son. You have Jota. Jack I mean, Harrison. I mean, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. DCL's up there. Oh. He's, he's up there. Dings um, is in there. Dings is up there. But, like, you, you have you have to pick, you know. I can't believe you've picked We Jack need to recognise Jack Harrison. Jack like, Harrison, jeez. Well, Interesting. nah. I'm sorry, Chris, nah. Interesting. It's... Well, who, who, would you, who, who would you have ahead of Kufal? Matty Cash? Terry Clampley. Are you for real? 100%. 100%. Best right back in the league. Truthfully, I think I'd probably have Cancelo at, at right back. Right. And, and, then, and then Andy Robertson. He's been a constant outlet <laughs> T- for Liverpool. Tierney, he could be there too. Yeah. Yeah, 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 could well be. Could well be. But Robertson, you know, I think he's he's up there, sort of top five in the league in assists still. So I think you got to look at that. Salah... Few penalties. I know he's top goal scorer, but a few of them are penalties. So if you were to take those away, um, like I wanted to leave him out, but you know, yeah, I, I, my bias was coming into play there. So yeah, I mean, at time of recording, we're recording just after Liverpool lost to Southampton. So probably the emotion in me of of saying, "God, he was shit today," uh, is keeping him out of the team for me. Um, <laughs> which uh, yes, that's an emotion based pick. But um, I, like Calvert, I like Calvert. I like Calvert Lewin. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes for the second half of the season. Obviously, like as we've said, literally loads can change. A couple of injuries, a couple of players coming in in January or whatever. It'll be interesting to see what what the changes are uh, and and who's in the running for. We will still have to come up with our categories for the under flood, under the mm. floodlights award show at the end of the year. Bailey, who have you got for in the <clears> mud this week? First in the mud of twenty twenty one, and we're starting off big 
with the GOAT, according to many people, Lionel Messi. And not for the shocker of a Messi had this weekend. Check it out if you haven't seen it. Guy's two yards out and terrible. But anyway, so we're going to bring it back to my favourite statistical fraud, Mr. Pele. Yes. uh, Former club Santos, who are disputing the recent uh, record-breaking feat by Lionel Messi after he scored his 644th goal in, in football. And Santos are disputing this, saying he did not break Pele's record as Pele actually scored 1,091 goals. 448 more goals than the supposed figure that Barcelona were using. Santos say his goals against River Plate, Boca Juniors, Real Madrid, Juventus, Lazio, Napoli, Benfica and Anderlecht are not included in the total figure. They've also said that his eight goals against Inter Milan and four goals against Barcelona aren't included in this total figure. Their argument is that these matches were official as they were played with official teams and within the official <laughs> rules of the game. However, to the rest of us, these are known as exhibition games, you know, like Soccer Aid or the Scottish Premiership. <laughs> so according to Santos, all these exhibition goals should be counted and they've released a statement. They've said, in the last few days, much has been said in the press and on social media about the number of goals scored by Pele with the club Santos. According to some statisticians, Argentine Lionel Messi became the player with the most goals for the same club, reaching 644 goals for the Catalan club, excluding friendly matches, called by some as official goals. Uh... Pele, however, has already congratulated uh, Barcelona's shirt 10, as Santos say. I think that's a weird way to put it. However, uh, part of the uh, press reports about the historic feat miss out the fact that are missing the greatest of all records, the total goals in the clubs. Pele scored 1,091 goals for Santos. In the accounts of the specialised press, the King of Football scored 643 and the 448 scored in the matches and friendly competitions were ostracised as though they had less value than the others. <laughs> My favourite thing about this, though, I've done a bit more research in the Pele today. If you look on Pele's Instagram, so Pele's the, official, yes, the official stat is 643 goals he scored for Santos. They're claiming 1,091 Pele's claims on his Instagram he has scored 1,283 goals. <laughs> He's gone higher. So, 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 so let me get this straight. Those kind of pre-season charity cups in Hong Kong, yep. when you play Anderlecht, Lazio and Inter Milan are now being counted. There's a lot to unpack here. Can you give me the the sentence that they said for like the official matches played with official teams? <laughs> yeah, what was yeah, that? Yeah. What was the wording there? <laughs> So Santos had said about uh, his goals against River Plate, Boca Juniors, etc. Their argument is that uh, the matches were official as they were played with official teams and within the official rules of the game. Okay, so by that justification, Pele could turn up here in Northern Ireland, rock on to an amateur league pitch and because, he's, because he's playing by the official rules. Yep. If he goes and scores five and or six, they add on. I love this. For me, this is there's so many things here. There's a lot to, to get at. This uh, is like it's beta meal stuff, but they're like trying 
their best to uh, to come across as a sort of alpha um, with the comments like the sort of the side mouth comments about Lionel Messi like refusing to say his name oh, the Argentine number 10 you know yeah, that sort of stuff they're trying to come across <laughs> as these sort of alphas but at the same time claiming that Pele's goals that nobody saw in friendlies that may or may not have happened um, that, that they need to start racking these up the next thing they'll start claiming is the goals in training count well well you say this oh. so oh. I was trying to work out how a player so Messi and Ronaldo for our generation we see them they do average a goal a game it does seem like they can't stop but if we're going by this stupid number Pele is trying to tell us he scored they'll never hit it so what does the next batch need to do training goals Kylian Mbappe has actually got in ahead of everyone on this mm. if you look there's a photo from the eighteen nineteen season where Mbappe outside of training is holding up a PSG shirt with on the back of it congratulations Kylian on a hundred training goals uh, that is yuck uh, <laughs> But the guy's ahead of the game. He's doing what you want and getting ahead of Pele. Well, the the bit that, that these people don't understand is that it's not just number of goals, it's where you score them. Right? You're not going to average a goal a game in the Premier League. It doesn't mm. happen. Too tough a league. Meanwhile, Pele scored on the Copa Cabana. But, yeah, Pele scored a thousand allegedly on the beach in the swimming trunks, that sort of stuff. Yeah, it, it's amateur league footballers. Yeah, in games nonsense. that again nobody saw. And nobody can remember, and there wasn't official records of. Boys, I think that pretty much uh, brings us to the end. Good to be back with you. Uh, and um, I guess on behalf of the three of us, I'd like to wish everyone who's listening a, a very happy new year. Obviously, the bulk of our listeners, not all, we are an international podcast, but the bulk of them are, are based sort of in the UK and Ireland, where it looks like there's some pretty tight lockdown restrictions that are going to be coming into effect. And basically, just wanted to say on behalf of the three of us, hang on in there, it will get better. Get in and around your mates. Get get vaccinated. <laughs> well, listen, uh, I, where do we stand? Do we have to be like the BBC and have to offer both sides? No, don't get, get vaccinated. <laughs> don't get vaccinated. Um, but no, listen, you know, look out for yourselves, look out for each other, and uh, we will keep coming at you with the pods in 2021. Look forward to it. Yo. Thanks very much, boys. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>